you see a lot of discussions about influencer marketing as well right now. And the best influencers you have are your own employees. So if you look at the future, I would like to enable them more to become influencers for our company. And just by showing you are the go-to person on this topic. And we have amazing employees with tons of knowledge. Why don't use it? And that's what I see as a chance for in the future for us, for other companies as well. Make sure your, your employees are comfortable moving in social media and make them engage more. Social media, for now, what I see in companies is that we use it as a channel for reach. Social media are channels for interaction and we're lacking that part. What I can see online is that lots of companies are just placing content by sending, not interacting, not asking, just sending. Look at me, this is my company and this is what we're doing. No, it should be about interaction on social media. More interacting, more asking and just engage. Hi Tessa, thank you so much for joining me here today. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm very excited about this conversation as I would have shared with you in the lead up to this discussion. In the internal marketing podcast, I think it's very important to include what I call case study type conversations, right? Because it's very easy to have a lot of theory type discussions, which are great, but actually understanding and seeing it play out on the ground in real companies that are doing it in their own unique way, I think is a great learning opportunity and provides some awesome nuggets. So I'm so grateful that you got a chance to and chose to be a part of this conversation. I came across Rabobank's story on LinkedIn where I saw a write-up about a recent implementation that you'd done regarding employee brand advocacy. So we're going to get into that a little bit. But I recognize that we have an international audience of listeners here with us. And not everybody would know what Rabobank does, who Rabobank is. So could you just kind of start out and tell us a little bit about Rabobank? Yeah, of course. Rabobank is an international company. It's an international bank with Dutch roots. So we started in the Netherlands. Uh, we were founded by farmers. And that's why we are a cooperative bank. So our profit flows back to society. And I think this is an important thing of the culture of the Rabobank. And it's run by its clients. So we have members of the bank who are cooperating to build our bank, even a better bank. If we look internationally, where our ambition is to be a leading food and agribank because we are in the whole food chain. And what we can see is that we really can add value to the problems we see in the near future. In the Netherlands, quite the same. So we're looking at society and looking at what problems do we see in the world and where can we contribute? And that is what our bank does. There's a bank that actually I did another case study interview with called Umqua Bank. And when they first started as a community bank and started to transform, their initial positioning was the on-bank. Because the perception is that banks are really kind of selfish organizations that are really just about profit and they leech on their customers. But this is awesome. And I, I think it actually sets the stage for probably why you'd want to do what you did. And I guess we'll hear about that more in a bit. So my... Next question then is because I'm kind of drawn to organizations like yours because I'm a financial services marketer myself. And so I, I have a kind of natural affection to what you guys do. So my next obvious question is what's made Rabobank go in this direction of employee advocacy and, and engaging your employees around your message and as part of your marketing strategy? 
Yeah, I think our roots are important. We are formed by farmers. So we also said that we can help each other. I think in the history, all our advisors knew their audience, knew their customers by name. So when they walked to the office, they said, hi, Stephen, how are you? And within this world, it's difficult to become close to your customer. And that's why we said, okay, if customers aren't going to the bank anymore, they, they don't go in the office anymore. So we have lesser offices. So we are not able to be physically close, but we have an other way to become closer to our customers. And that's being where they are at, like social media. It's, I think it's everywhere. It's if, when you're at the soccer field, when you're talking to people, we have 42,000 employees worldwide. So. We are everything. And I think our relationships or connections is what makes us close. And that's what makes uh, Rabobank really believes that our employees are the biggest asset we have. So if we are able to connect those assets to our network, to, to our customers, yeah, I think that's the key to, to success of everything. I think brand can make a connection with people, but it's still a brand. It's not like you have a relationship with another person. So I think that's the valuable assets we have as employees. Oh, wow. I, I like that. So first of all, it sounds like it, you, it came from a recognition that you can't be everywhere all the time. You're, you're certainly not a huge national bank with a branch on every corner, right? Uh, we had no. over a thousand offices in history, and now we have mm. 300 still left. So we have still the most offices in the Netherlands from every bank. But okay. still, what we can see is that people aren't going to the office anymore. If you go, if you need something from your bank, you go to your mobile. It's enough. Right. So that's why we said, okay, we need a new way to be near to our customers, but because they're not coming to us anymore. And particularly, I, I, I mean, even outside of the fact that most transactions are, are going digital, this COVID-19 pandemic, I'm sure, just kind of shot that through the roof in a huge <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, did your branches close during the pandemic or you kept yeah, them Yeah, most of them did. Yeah, we had some regional offices that were open, but most of the local branches were uh, closed. And what you can see in the whole employee advocacy program as well, we really had a lift there. From March in the Netherlands, it went through the roof because people, and what we saw is that we provided them of great content, which helped their network. So we were placing content in, in Smart, a, a tool, which is a, a large content creation machine. Um, and people just go to Smart, cut some content out of it and place it on their social media channels. And what you can see is that the, the audience was really waiting for something to hear from the bank because it wasn't very in certain time, it still is. Yeah, and, and, and that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think even in addition to the fact that beh customer behavior would have had to change because of the pandemic, the lockdown, the closing of branches and so on, I think that there is just a need for a deeper human connection as well in the middle of the lockdown. So I can no longer go into my branch and speak to my friendly, you know, banker, and because not because they're my friend or anything, but, you know, just a natural human interaction that comes with that. You're, you're missing that. And how do you keep connected to your bank through its people in this way? I, I totally get that. That being said, Tessa, what's the culture like? I, I think that's obviously perhaps the next question, because to do something like this, certainly to have that kind of thinking in the first place, what's the culture like and what role did culture play in how this was rolled out? 
Yeah, I think if we look at our bank and because we are a social responsible bank, people are very pleased to work for the World Bank. We have loads of uh, connections. We have an enormous network. We have tons of knowledge. So combine that together. And like, for instance, if I have a friend who's trying to start a company at this point, I also have an SME advisor in my network as well. So I can connect the both of them. So I think that's our culture. We want to connect with people to share our knowledge or financial services and our networks just to help each other. And if we help each other, we have a mission growing a better world together. And it's it sounds like it's a massive, massive operation, but I think it isn't because if you're starting to pay it forward in your own network, it's going to become bigger. So I'm helping my local environment and that's something Rabobank really supports. They say, okay, we have four behaviors and one of them is help your local environment, make others better. So that's something my manager is asking about. What are you contributing to your world, to the Netherlands, to your local environment? And I think it starts with your own environment. And then if you can help, then you can help more people and more people can help on more people like you paid for it. And eventually you will trying to help the world. So essentially the social responsibility component of your brand and your, the purpose of your brand is encouraged certainly from the leadership right down through in, internally culture wise, team member to team member, what does that culturally look like? Because again, I, I think that also has something to do with it as well in terms of how you project externally, what's the internal relationship dynamic? Yeah, what was important, we started this program in 2016, is that our board members were on board. They said, okay, we see the world changing, and I think it's important to become close to our customer in the way they are comfortable with. So also with social media channels. So because the board was supporting this program, it was a very important. And we started out to train every employee. Every employee in the Netherlands needed to be digital savvy or a digital hero. That didn't work. Some people are just not digital savvy. No. They don't want to be on social media. And it's their right. They don't have yeah. to be. If you looked at the great hack and the social dilemma, it are ethical questions. Do you want to be on social media? And no, we're not going to ask our employees to be on social media. No, they're already on it. We see they have, we have an enormous digital footprint. We already had it. So what we did is just facilitate them. So the people who are willing to do something on social media, people who are very comfortable to move on social media and they say, okay, I really see the opportunities. We have loads of knowledge and networks. I want to help and I can help them in an easy way. I just share some content, which is going to help my SME companies or something else. I'm just going to share it, just sharing knowledge, not promoting, not advertising. And that's something I, I always say if I train a new group. No, we're not going to advertise. No, you're not going to say, call me. No, you're going to inform your network. You're going to tell them, if you're looking for a mortgage, just th these are some tips. Just look into it. And if you're willing, they are going to have a conversation with, with you. I think if in the Netherlands I'm, I'm, I'm buying a house and I want a mortgage, I think of three banks. It's the Rao Bank, ING, and ABN. Those are the great banks in the Netherlands. These are just big brands. It's not telling me something. It's just a brand. If I look at the mortgage, I probably should look at conditions. 
I think 80% of the people are not looking to all the small letters and the condition. But if I have a neighbor here at the corner, it's called Steven. I think it's a really nice guy. And he's sharing good content on LinkedIn on how mortgages work. And he has some tips for me on what, what do I look after when I'm closing a mortgage for my house. It's important, important moments in my life. And if he, see, he is informing me proactively, yeah, if I need a mortgage, Steven is right at the corner. First of all, one of the big things I'm picking, I mean, well, 2016, that, that, so it's as far back as you say, 2016 with the initial yeah, vision. Yeah. Wow. That, that's really forward thinking, I'd like to say. And what I'm picking up as well is that your objective for the, for the employees in the advocacy program is, as you say, it's not about advertising or promotions in the hard sense. What you're doing is you're really providing content that adds value. So you're helping. You're not selling, you're helping. And by helping, then the expectation is that it will ultimately, eventually lead to some kind of sales activity. And what I'm also picking up is I've kind of flipped on influencer marketing. So influencer marketing, of course, a lot of people would want to engage perhaps a celebrity or, or, or close relation to a celebrity, but you're recognizing that you have influencers right in your organization. They're your very employees who have their own networks, who trust them already. You know, they, they, they've seen probably they're posting pictures of their dog or whatever. And, yeah, yeah. and then now they're also providing me with helpful information about financial stuff, which again, in our line of business, financial services, people tend to be very intimidated. But here is my neighbor down the street, as you say, who's providing great content that's helping me out. So whenever I think of taking out that mortgage, I'm going to think Rabobank first because of my connection and the helpful uh, content that's being provided. Could you kind of walk us through this particular steps? Because again, I'm thinking our listeners, those of us who are thinking, boy, this employee brand advocacy program sounds great. And it's like, okay, well, where do I start? What were kind of like high level this implementation steps that you took to roll that out? Yeah, as I, as I already said, we started in 2016. Uh, it started with internal politics, like every big program. <laughs> it just needs to be done. So we had loads of data from the local branches, how many people were coming in. And we saw them dropping down. We saw that the people weren't going to the office anymore. So we, I think we started a program which we uh, all local branches were asked, how do you think we can become closer to our customers? And that's how they, they, they got loads of information just to check on, okay, how do think they think? And this program started out from there and we hired an agency and they created a whole e-learning program it was very cool i participated in that e-learning and now i'm doing the program myself so that was very cool <laughs> <laughs> and what the e-learning did is just ask you some questions how digital savvy are you and what are the things that you can learn so i got content just pieces of content pieces of training which was suitable for me it was adaptive and I think that was very important because some people are, were already doing it. They, they could go higher, higher, and some people just started it. So we had a program that was suitable for everyone who wanted to participate. And we had trainer trainer sessions. And I think at the end of 2016, 2017, almost every employee were trained. So that's so how it started. Yeah. And in 2018, we implemented SMARP. 
And then I got on the program in 2018. It's two years. Yeah. I made some changes to the program. We saw that not everyone is digital savvy. We're not pooling people anymore. No, we're just saying, okay, in every local branch, we're certain that there are 10 digital heroes. They're already there. So you don't have to push and pull. No, just check on who's on LinkedIn and who's sharing content. And then ask them, do you want to learn more? We have some e-learns, we have some trainings. Do you want to more? know more? I think no one said no. They're already doing it. So yeah, if you have some, some things that can help me, of course. So that, that was, I think, the key of success. We're not pulling, we're not pushing. We're creating a feeling of fear of missing out. This is a great program. You need to be in it. So was it a top-down kind of an implementation or you, did you have to get top management engagement? How did that work? It was a top-down, yeah, to all marketing and communication teams within the local branches. So we offered a program. It was clip and clear. It was with all trainings, workshops in it. And the local branch could said, okay, they will go to the agency and said, okay, I want this part of the program. I want those workshops. So it was, we created a program. We did some advocacy for it. Just go into it. I think it's important for your local branch to become near it, to become close. And all local branches knew already that we're busy trying to arrange this. And when the workshops were ready, they were just, okay, I want to purchase this, this, and this for my team. And they were set to go. And again, given the, the purpose of your brand and, and the fact that, again, your goal was to provide helpful content in a way that's, again, socially responsible, I, I see it totally lining up. You spoke about the fact that employees were readily just kind of jumping on board and, and raising their hand. I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of this, which is great. What would you say was the, as I like to call it, the WIFM, the what's in it for me? What were employees seeing that was in it for them, the benefit to them, why they so readily kind of jumped on board? Yeah, I think there are multiple things. What's in it for them initially, if you look at our account managers, we had some great examples on being on social media, listening on social media from, oh, this is happening at one company and I can help a company in my other portfolio, but this is what the other company is doing. So we had some great examples of that. And because we could share it, it worked. People are saying, oh, I need to be part of this program because I can help my, my customers. It's, it's really going to help my work. Uh, so that was something. And what we saw later on is that it's important to always have on what's in it for me. Why am I doing this program? Why am I I'm putting effort in something? Uh, we build in two e-learnings in-house, and that's one is a starter's e-learning just to fill in your profile. Some people are just looking at LinkedIn. Oh, can I place a header? That training is helping you to place a header, you personalize your, your profile, etc. And the second e-learning before advanced is to build a personal brand. So it's not only I'm doing social. No, who are you as a brand? And uh, you can perhaps be a thought leader if you want to. And then we go to your genius zone. And if we are able to make that, you are going to be a go-to person online. And that's going to help you. So it's a lot of steps. Uh, and the most people are just, they're willing to participate because the Red Bank has an enormous group of investors. They already had it. So it was already happening. So we're now just facilitating them. 
it's so super important as a brand when you've defined your purpose that your employees are also aligned with that purpose. So again, social responsibility uh, as a bank, you have employees who clearly understand and buy into that vision. And that's a key foundation in internal marketing. And the second, the what's in it for me, I think that's super awesome as well. And I think it's a great selling point (laughs) to employees to get them on board in the advocacy program is that they're building their own personal brand too. Uh, Because at the end of the day, I've always said it as well. And I agree that people ultimately work for themselves, you know something happens, you're no longer working with Rabobank or you want to change careers, you would have had to have invested a certain amount of time and effort in building your own personal brand to make a transition into whatever direction you want to take your career life in. And uh, this is a great way to do it. And so what I'm also picking up is it was kind of just anybody who raised their hand, uh, just to understand how did you identify employees who would have been a part of this program did they need to be great copywriters or (laughs) apart from uh, apart from being on social media which obviously would have been a prerequisite I mean was there anything special that went into the selection or identification process of which employees were to be a part of the program yeah we have two flavors of that Um, that's one the local branches were implementing this locally so they were would be defining who's becoming a digital hero. And we provided them with a PowerPoint. Just how can you identify your local heroes? Just looking on LinkedIn, what are they doing? Are they willing to learn? Ask their managers how if they're able to have their time. Are they interested? Just talk to the managers and then selecting those digital heroes. Just for coming, okay, I'm looking on LinkedIn and I'll see... 30 people, okay, some of them don't are willing to learn. We have 20 left, etc. So that's how they pick them. And we also have a social agency, which is helping us, which we have a program with. We're offering a program worldwide. If they want a workshop from that social agency, they are going to do a questionnaire. And all employees from that bank or department who are filling it, it's all anonymously, and they're plotting it on a matrix. And that matrix is just willing to learn and already savvy and willing to learn is the best factor. That's just, okay. If they're willing to learn, not willing to learn. Okay. They're not going into the program. So if local branches or departments are going to purchase the workshop, they know the employees are engaged with the program because they've been plotted on a matrix and that's why, okay, those are the people you're going to make the best effort in. That's important to know because it's it's all well and good to say, well, we want an employee brand advocacy program, and it's probably easier to just kind of throw the net out and see who is interested. But I admire the fact that you were very deliberate about identifying who would be a part of this program. So obviously a prerequisite would have to have been a, an existing presence on social media, what type of content they would have already been posting, you know, because you, you want to make sure that that lines up with the brand, you know, we can't forget that. Uh, but 
as you said, are they willing to learn? Are they open to doing that and that base level of enthusiasm to really want to help and be a part of something that's actually ultimately a little bit bigger than themselves, but also helps them indirectly as well? You mentioned SMARP a couple of times, and I deliberately didn't stop you to ask the question. I mean, obviously, SMARP is the technology platform that you would have used as a key component of this program. And, and this is not a sponsored and SMARP or endorsement conversation at all. But what I certainly picked up is that technology was a critical component of how you roll this out, because that's something I think companies and maybe even employees would want to be part of an advocacy program. The first concern they have is, oh my goodness, um, I'm going to have to come up with content once a week, twice a week, every day, and they shy away from it. Or worse, marketing is very concerned about the fact that we're going to lose control of the brand (laughs) if we kind of let people go out there and go rogue. So could you share with us what role technology played in how this was rolled out and how you continue? to run the program to this day what we saw in the first program is that people are uncertain on what they're sharing they were looking for content and that was the biggest hurdle to overcome to just play something so within the learnings of the first program we said okay we need to, to tackle some we need to change some things and that's just a few digital heroes not all our employees they're not willing they're not digital savvy and we need something that helps them find relevant content, which is company approved. And that's how we found the technology. And it's not smart. There are a lot of toolings who, who are offering this technology and they're all quite the same. But important for that technology is that employees can go to the platform and they see a couple of channels. In the channels, they can choose, okay, this channels I, I'm going to follow because this is content which is relevant for me. So they don't see the whole feed because it's a lot of content from our company. So if I'm looking into the platform, I'm just, okay, what do I need to share? So that's also a risk. So that's why we said, okay, we need channels and they can follow and unfollow the channels. So that's why the the personalized time feed is relevant for our employees. And then you can share and the share is just, Two clicks on a button you can make it personal that's something i really ask employees make it personal just don't don't just share because you want to have points for sharing no make it personal why are you sharing this piece of content with your network how are you going to help your network with the content you're sharing and Do you control things like, well, what's available at any given point in time? So let's say Rabobank says, November is mortgage month. So we're just going to put mortgage content (laughs) out there and everybody can pull it down. We're not doing car loans this month. So no car loan content. (laughs) No, no, like you said, I think a lot of companies are afraid that employees are going rogue. And that's, it's a pity because it's, it's an enormous chance for a company to help your employees with content. And I, I'm not going to say to you, no, this month you're only going to share mortgage content. No, you're going to share content which is relevant for you, which fits your personality, fits your personal brand. So you can be an authentic brand on your social media channels. You're not authentic if I'm going to say you're going to place in November, you're going to place mortgages in this December, you're going to place financially healthy life posts. No, 
it doesn't fit your personality. So why do I say it? No, we have a couple of channels. You can always pick what you want to share. There are also pieces of HR in it. There are pieces of, uh, pieces of working from home. It's also because our employees internally in Smart read a lot of articles. They're not sharing, but they're also reading it. If I, I think um, one fourth of all, all posts which are placed in Smart are being shared. So the rest is just reading in Smart. So that's interesting as well. People are just reading, oh, this is all happening in my company. Oh, this is nice. So it, it doubles as a really great internal communications and education tool for your staff as yeah. well. That's not our focus. We have our own channels for that. But I think it's important that people are reading the article before they share it because quality and not quantity. So they're really into the content before they're going to share it. Absolutely. And I love your reference about the fact if you can't personally perhaps connect with this particular piece of content, it's, it, it, it doesn't have any personal connectivity, neither to you or to your particular network that you're influencing, I guess, or sharing it with, then you're not going to be minded to share it. And it's not going to come off as authentic if it didn't connect like that with you in the first place. You know, Tessa, we've been having a great conversation. And as I was sharing with you before we started the, the discussion, I really continue to be fascinated by how very little or how very few conversations I see. We talk about LinkedIn, how very few conversations I see about marketers in particular having about internal marketing or internal branding or employee brand advocacy. I, do, I, I personally, maybe I'm looking in the wrong place, but I personally don't find it to be something that a lot of folks readily talk about. So there's tons of discussions about developing content, obviously, for the external customer, external prospects. But not enough, I don't think, about how are we engaging and leveraging our employees as our, perhaps our most powerful brand advocates because they're on the inside. What's your view? Do you think enough companies are tapping into the opportunities that exist? What are the opportunities do you see other companies and marketers in other companies can be leveraging and, and getting out of something as, as awesome as what you guys are doing there? A lot of companies are afraid that employees are going rogue, they're, they're telling something that isn't true or they probably should, shouldn't be telling. I think it's already happening. I have my own social media channels. So yeah, is my company are going to prevent me to play something on my own channels? I don't think so. Just so why just don't help your employees? I think it's better just than be afraid. These are my influencers. You see a lot of discussions about influencer marketing as well right now. And I think the best influences you have are your own employees. So I think if you look at the future, I would like to enable them more to become influencers for our company. And just by being an expert on their expertise, just by showing you are the go-to person on this topic. And we have amazing employees with tons of knowledge. Why don't use it? And that's what I see as a chance for in the future for us, for other companies as well. Make sure your, your employees are comfortable moving in social media and make them engage more. Social media, for now, what I see in companies, and similar for us, is that we use it as a channel for reach. But social media are channels for interaction. And we're lacking that part. Us as well. But what I can see online is that 
loads of companies are just placing content by sending, not interacting, not asking, just sending. Look at me, this is my company and this is what we're doing. No, it's not. I think it should be about interaction on social media. So that's what I'm, it's my goal for 2021. More interacting, more asking, and just engage. Absolutely. It is about interacting and engaging. And, and we, we referenced it earlier in the discussion, particularly in this time of the pandemic and locking down and realizing that humans need humans. And what better way than brands, which are typically seen as nameless, faceless, cold logos, you're bringing the people that represent the brand forward to engage to interact on exactly these platforms who develops the content that goes on the the technology platform that your employees pull from for we placement have, there uh, we have 42,000 employees or who are able to create content <laughs> so everyone who is in smart is able to create content and then in every channel we have a channel manager and he or she is the gatekeeper for that content so i think it's what makes this program a success is that we're able to do it together. We are sharing our knowledge to be shared to the outside world. And yeah, we have some channel managers above it, but they're more looking at if the picture is okay, is the text, is it okay, is it good outlined? But if we look at what's in the post, I don't have any objection what's in it because it's authentic. I love it. You have 42,000 employees. That's like 42,000 sources of content. And as you say, anybody can create it. You just have your gatekeepers. So again, for the brand managers who are concerned about people going rogue, we got the gatekeepers. (laughs) Tessa, this has been an awesome conversation. I'm very excited for you guys and what you've been doing over the years. And it's only going to get better. And I, I think the pandemic could actually have even given a nice kick in the keister, you know, for this I'm program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because if we thought it was successful before, which it was, I think this really just put it out there as an awesome way to connect with your with your customers, with your prospective customers and engaging your employees and allowing them to be the representatives of the brand and putting an even more human face uh, to, to Rabobank, because I'm sure it was human before because your purpose of social responsibility is just laudable. We've discussed so much here today, Tessa, and of everything you would have shared, what would you say is the key takeaway that you'd want our listeners to come away with? The relationship with each other is becoming more and more important. In the future, I think what makes us human is the fact that this kind of things are a success. We don't want to connect with brands. No, we want to connect with people. And people are the most important asset of a bank, their knowledge, their empathy, their relationships. I think as a company, you have to cherish it. I love that. Thank you so much. People need people. Thank you so much, Tessa. This discussion has been absolutely awesome. I certainly am really inspired by the Rabobank story and journey where employee uh, brand advocacy is concerned. And I always like to end with my final question usually is, uh, how can we, the internal marketing tribe, we're listening, how can we support you? It's quite similar. Connect and share knowledge. 
connect and share knowledge. Thank you so much. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It was a great conversation. So join us next time and we'll continue to flip the marketing conversation right here on the Internal Marketing Podcast. The Internal Marketing Podcast is available on your favorite podcasting app.